test, one, two, test. I'm not sure we're on. I got it. One, two. Is it on? Test one, two.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is written for us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at the second verse. Preach the word. Be ready whether it is convenient or not. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with all patience and teaching. For there will come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, because of they have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in line with their own desires. They will also turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to miss. As for you, keep a clear head in every situation. Bear hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. These are the words of our text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your words is truth. Sanctify us through that truth. Amen. Please be seated. In Jesus the Christ, dear fellow redeemed, how much is confirmation bias affecting your cognitive processes? What is confirmation bias? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> confirmation bias is the tendency for people to listen to information that confirms their already held think thoughts and beliefs. Because of this bias more weight is given to those who agree with what we already believe. Your Twitter account is probably supporting evidence of this. If you were to look at the people that you are following, and you can do this for any of your social media platforms, you are more than likely predominantly following people who agree with what you already think and believe and you are deliberately avoiding not following people that don't think as you think and believe. The bird might be free, but are you really free? Are you open to other people's thoughts and beliefs? So how does this tie to our text this morning? We gather around us people that think and believe the same as we do. Notice what Paul said in our text. He said, For there will come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, because they have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves, followers, I mean teachers, in line with their own desires. They will also turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. The church 
is not free from confirmation bias. And by church there, I mean that large picture of the church here on earth. Are you being influenced by confirmation bias? Paul warns us that people will turn aside to miss. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I was, I was trying to think of, okay, what miss would I, would I want to draw to your attention that maybe, maybe you're being influenced by? And evolutionism came up and uh, relative morality. But as I thought about it, there's one big question that many other myths circle around. And it's this question. Is sin real? Now, what do we mean by sin when we, in the Orthodox Christian Church, speak of it? When we, mean, when we say sin, we mean transgression against the divine being. So how does our society try to answer this question of, is sin real? Well, if you would go to evolutionism, you would have to conclude sin isn't real because there's no divine being to sin against. Therefore, there is no morality. If you were to go to the subjective moralist, at best he would say, if you sin, you sin against yourself. You, effectively, are God. So is sin real? We have a natural law written on our heart that often speaks loudly despite the other voices in the world around us. And in some existential crisis, we can realize how shallow those other myths are. Because when we look at how we've lived and we're faced with our very existence, we know that we have not exist existed as we should have. We know there is someone who is watching over us and judging our thoughts, words, and actions. We know that sin is, is real. And you can probably think about actions and words, thoughts in your own relatively recent history and you can feel the pangs of that guilt on your heart. You know that you have sinned. And so what are we to do? And that poses the next big question. Is Jesus real? 
Is Jesus real as the Bible teaches? In some ways, that's what Martin Luther was, was really wrestling with. He had no doubt that his sin was real. He would go to confession hours after just being there. Weighed down with the guilt of his thoughts, words and actions. So he knew his sin was real, but he didn't fully understand how real Jesus was. Under the Catholic system, sin was diluted just enough where you could do good works to help pay off that debt. Luther realized, as many have, that there's no comfort in doing good works to pay for sin. There's no comfort because you never really know if you've ever done enough. And if you've sinned against the divine being, the righteous, omnipotent God, just what payment would he accept? But Luther discovered that Jesus is real. His name means Savior. Jesus is the real Savior from sin, and only he could be the Savior from sin. Because he is God in the flesh, who came to live and die for sinners like you and me. Because he is God, his sacrifice on the cross was sufficient payment for your guilt and for the guilt of the whole world. If, if you think about sacrifices, we can actually rank them, right? We can say the more that it costs someone, the greater the sacrifice. We'll do that in our own lives when someone sacrifices for us or we for them. Since Jesus is God, no greater sacrifice could be offered. And that's the sacrifice that God demanded and Jesus paid. So Jesus really bore your sins on the cross. And whatever punishment your sins demanded, Jesus has paid in full. So the deity of Jesus, it's not just that God wanted to come down and help us. It's that's the greatest sacrifice that could be made. And because the greatest sacrifice has been made, no matter how great your sins are, Jesus is a greater Savior than you are a sinner. And so pastors like me, Christians like you, can declare to the world the truth of God's word. That the world's sins are paid for. 
Because God became man and God died for humanity. So that you and all people can know that your sins are forgiven. That's the word that we preach. There are going to be many other voices that compete for your itching ears. And at times, you're only going to want to listen to people who already agree with you. In general, if you're listening, listening to people, you're listening to the wrong voice. Hear the word. Let God speak to you through his word. Sometimes he's going to tell you things that you don't want to hear. What you're doing is wrong. But that's not what God really wants you to hear. He wants you to hear that he loves you. That he forgives you. That he sent his son in the flesh to die for you. May your ears be open by the power of the Spirit to hear the word and believe it. God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please stand for the blessing. And now may the peace of God which transcends all understanding Guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us the truth of your word. Satan has filled our world with lies and we are often tempted to listen to him. We pray that you would continue to send people into our lives who will preach your word to us so that we can know the truth and the truth can set us free. Come to us in our sin and guide us through your law that we may follow your will for our earthly lives. But especially, declare your gospel to us, your love for us in Christ. And though our sins are great, may we cling to his cross until we're finally with you in heaven. Strengthen us also that we would proclaim your word to others so that they too can see that sin is real. But Jesus is just as real. We ask it in his most holy name. Amen.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.